Manus flat on the canvas. We are ready to rock and roll. Second round of action. There is a cut on Manus. Martial arts jack. My man B-Hop got knocked up, dropped out the ring last night. I need a little judo baby. I need me a little judo baby. And let's do it, Ron. Let's see what they'll do. That's got face for me, dude. That's got face for me. Martial arts chat. Hello, welcome to Martial Arts Chat Podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, just a quick shout out to the sponsors, A1 Fight Gear. A1 Fight Gear use the latest cutting-edge boxing gloves for professional and amateur fighters, gym enthusiasts and kickboxers, so local and national gyms in the UK. Do yourselves a favour, go to a1fightgear.com. And if you want to get into shape, get back into shape, or just keep trimming the fat off, go to bskeer.co.uk and use the coupon code MARTIALARTSCHAT. If you do that, you'll save 15% off core sliders, straps, barbell pads, all different strength and conditioning programs to suit your needs. And finally, we're also sponsored by World of Martial Arts Television. WOMA.TV produces, finds, acquires, commissions, and presents all you ever wanted to know about martial arts. Discover techniques, exercises, and forms from your favourite martial artist, and explore martial arts philosophy, health, culture, and spirituality. So, to our guest here today, we're speaking with Krav Maga expert, Mr. David Khan. David, how are you, sir? Hey, John. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, truly honoured, as I mentioned. Uh, you run a wonderful podcast. So many accomplished fighters, and and the insights are uh, you know at the highest level. So I'm I'm honored to be on. I thank you for your time. No pleasure, all of us, sir. And and we were saying just by there, like Kramograph, uh, something that I've not really probably not spoken about enough, if I'm honest, uh, on the podcast. Uh, I'm I'm uneducated on the art, if you like. But um, maybe before we get to that in some more detail, David, tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and and just some of, some about your life, mate. Sure. Um, I actually uh, stumbled on Krav Maga quite by chance, and I had no idea myself what it was. Uh, this is back in uh, 19, uh, beginning of early 1995, and I'd been to Israel uh, on a technology recruiting trip mm-hmm. um, right after law school, or actually before law school and then after. And um, I met a, a great man who changed my life, uh, Rick Blitzstein, and he was one of the first Americans to ever be exposed to Krav Maga. Uh, he had had a Kung Fu background, and he went to Israel um, when he was uh, quite young. He was on a kibbutz, which was a farming community, and a number of um, uh, kibbutzniks, as they call themselves, were watching him do Kung Fu forms. And they said, hey, you look like a good martial artist. Would you like to see what we do? And uh, Rick, ever the adventurist, said, yes, I'd love to see it. Uh, and then he said they beat him up terribly. <laughs> right. he, he kept coming back, and that uh, gained their respect. And he said, well, where did you learn all this stuff? How to disarm somebody so quickly with a knife, how to choke and release, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, more of a, a military application or street application as opposed to anything fancy. And they said, oh, we learned this from the Army. And ultimately, Rick was introduced to Krav Maga founder Amy Lichtenfeld and uh, invited to the first international instructor's course in 1981. So I had the wonderful fortune, uh, maybe it was fate, <laughs> to meet Rick. <laughs> Uh, and he trained me privately, uh, very generous with his time for three years. And then he sent me to uh, Grandmaster Haim Gidan, who is the, uh, the world's highest ranked instructor. And um, Haim was also very generous with his time with me. I spent uh, about five and a half weeks in a, in a private instructor's course. I, I thought that I was going to uh, be in a course with a number of people. And I, and I sort of waited for about 10 minutes the first day. And wondered aloud, was anybody else coming? And they looked at me and smiled and said, no, you're it. 
<laughs> so, I had, <laughs> I had a, a uh, unparalleled training opportunity with Grandmaster Guidon, uh, his son Albert, another amazing member of the Guidon family, and uh, Yoav Crane. So many wonderful people, Yigal Arbiv. The, these guys are, are the best of the best. Uh-huh. And um, they really keep a low profile. Uh, they're part of the nonprofit. Uh, Israeli Krav Association. And this is the original group uh, in Israel. So, you know, when I when I decided to try this odyssey I, after law school, I, I knew I would go to work uh, probably in New York is what I ended up doing, mm-hmm. uh, not practicing law, but using the law degree. And uh, I knew that uh, this would be probably the first time and the only time I would get to spend this amount of time training. And like all the um, wonderful martial arts out there, you know, I wanted to find out how I could take it to the uh, its maximum or my optimum level. Sure. And I knew that would entail going to Israel. Mm-hmm. So uh, Rick kindly arranged it, and uh, that's how I began. Um, it was a good thing that I was just in my very early 20s because I don't know that I could have <laughs> – certainly today I wouldn't repeat what I did then. <laughs> right, I see. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was wonderful. I mean, one day we trained up to 11 hours, and I had uh, oh. the, the good – the good excuse to have ice cream for dinner on the way home because <laughs> uh, that's all that was open at that point right, of course so um, it does sound like fate though like so you're mm-hmm. so i'm you're painting the picture from here so you're a law student going to israel for your studies i would imagine no well no i, I claim to do this martial art yeah no actually i did my undergraduate at princeton university um a smaller town in new jersey and uh you know for for the uh, the international component it was um uh, there was a battle at princeton which my younger son sat fascinated with, which was a turning point of the American Revolution, and uh, some of it involved the uh, the university, and uh, um, you know, so it, just to give you a, a geographic uh, layout of where we are uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of New Jersey, and um, so I did my undergraduate degree. I played American football, uh, running into people full speed with my head, and that was about <laughs> the only only self defense that I knew. Right. But I then realized there had to be a better way. Um, I, I actually had to sit out my last year because I injured my shoulder. Um, so, uh, that, that I wanted to pursue some kind of martial art, but I wanted to do something that would give me, um, you know, pr- the proverbial, uh, immediate gratification. I wanted to be able to do as much as I could, as quickly as I could and retain as much as I could not be withheld or held back. And it's not a criticism of anything else. It's just that the way Krav Maga works is that there are no, uh, there's no regimentation. You can learn a gun defense, um, at the, uh, you know, in, in the first few classes, uh, where it, it is um, segmented in the, the brown belt level, and there, there are six levels and then up to 10 degrees of black belt. I see. So uh, similar to judo, you've got your, um, you've got your uh, yellow belt, orange belt, green belt, blue belt, brown belt, and then black belt. And uh, generally for, for the, 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 the nonprofit association, it takes anywhere from uh, 10 years and up to earn the black belt. Um, there's a great deal of problem gone now out there, which has become highly commercialized. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we tend to not, not, uh, you know, comment too much on it, but I, I am coming out with a new book and I, I, I've had to say that I'm, I'm worried about the future of it in the sense that it's being, um, uh, the belts are being sold. Uh, it's turned into a business and it's understandable that people need to make a living, but you know, there, there's certain ways one can do it. And that, that's, that's, uh, sort of endemic or that sort of problem is rife in the martial arts community. So oh, yeah. the problem has not been spared. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I originally I come from, I give a bit of background myself, so I'm 35 years now, but when I was 10, it was Taekwondo, and, yeah. uh, and, and I did that up until, what's well, some of my mid-20s until I taught it. More recently, last couple of years, it's been Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for me and, and, and MMA. Oh, wonderful. But, uh, but the Taekwondo thing, just what you're saying about, you know, how it's changed, I mean, the origins of Taekwondo, pretty similar. It was in the military in Korea, and I mean, it's a complete 180 from what it is now, and especially, I've noticed probably in the last 15, 20 years, just how much of a business it is now. It's quite sad, really. I see so many schools and so many corners mm-hmm. and they're not teaching martial arts. They're teaching, what can I call it, fun activities to, to put on a, a silly suit. It isn't Taekwondo. Not that I recognise it anyway. It's it's, it's, it's more a business. And I, I, I kind of, it was what, along the lines of what you said there, yeah, I get people have got to make their money, but it waters down the the authenticity doesn't it and do you feel the same and or the same direction for for crab maga there I, I do and, and you put it so well um there are a number of of very good um senior disciplines of emi lichtenfeld i, I believe that Haim Gidon, uh was appointed by emi to um to, to run the system after emi's uh, passing in uh in 1998 and there are other uh gentlemen uh warriors out there similar to Haim, and and they're all very very good um, but the problem now is that there are so many splinter groups, it's impossible to keep track of them. Um, you've got American Krav Maga, you've got Korean Krav Maga, and I don't know what other kind of Krav Maga is out there. <laughs> but to, to, uh, to, to stick, the, you know, to cleave to the source, we, we call it Israeli Krav Maga because it comes from Israel. Yes. And uh, it comes from the original Israeli Krav Maga Association. Um, and I, I really, I think that, um, you know, conditioning, training, all that is, is, is phenomenal and it's great for people to stay in shape it's just that when you're going to teach somebody to defend against an edge weapon attack um if they can't um if they can't talk their way out of it they can't deconflict deescalate or defend against a robbery attempt with a firearm um this is a deadly serious business and it better be taught correctly yes and um the students that if a good teacher will explain that the, the best answer is for any kind of fight as, as we can all know is not to get into it or the best um, solution or resolution to a an armed robbery may be to comply, no matter how well trained you are, depending mm-hmm. on the odds and the distance. Um, all sorts of factors, uh, you know, go into it. But if there's no choice and one has to defend oneself, um, we need to be, uh, you know, deadly serious about it. Because even in our, our classes, we have people um, who want to have a good time training, and and I don't run it as a, a, a you know a hard type of um, disciplined class in the sense that people are, are generally um, uh, professionals who are coming from a hard day of work. They want to have a great time, you know, the camaraderie, have a good time. So we don't really stand on ceremony, but I will admonish them when there's too much talk and they're not taking um, the, the tactic seriously. Yeah. Uh, we uh, just yesterday, I, I teach on Saturday mornings, one of my favorite times to teach, but I, um, I can give you an example. We, we put on um, uh, six ounce or seven ounce uh, MMA gloves, mouthpieces, mm-hmm. and shin guards. And I said to them, okay, after we've done some warm ups, uh, those who are willing, we're going 100% attacks. Mm-hmm. And uh, so people's eyes widened as they do. And we do this quite often. But what um, any kind of good self defense system, uh, I, I would uh, venture, I would hazard, um, you've got to be able to defend against a concerted, determined attack and against uh, fierce resistance. Uh, it's too often I, many others I'm sure observe that when these demonstrations come, there's no, there's no resistance that the arm is held out there. And when I've done videos, I've asked the, the students who are helping me to really attack. 
um, not to keep that arm dangling out there, you know, as a, uh, um, <laughs> a juicy target to, 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 to perform an arm bar. Or, um, you know, if, if you do a counter choke uh, that they're going to leave their, um, their windpipe open, um, that person's going to fight you. If, if he or she didn't think they could win, they wouldn't have attacked you. That's right. Yeah. So we really have to take that into account. Um, we're very um, uh, careful about you know, presenting uh, a fight. For the civilian side, there's no, no reason. It's illegal to fight. Um, that's where my legal training comes in. And, and a big part of this new book that will be out in uh, June uh, 2019 focuses on uh, the legality or the illegality of defending yourself in certain circumstances. And mm-hmm. And uh, British common law, American law, most most legal systems around the world uh, consider it the same, and and, and they usually uh, revolves around or devolves around um, what is objectively reasonable force, mm-hmm. and uh, that means you're only using the amount or proportional force to defend yourself, uh, which is required, that you can escape. Uh, it's not to teach the person a lesson. Um, obviously, you know a deadly force. If if a, if a beer bottle was if the person's in intent on cracking over your head and then stabbing you with the uh, the remnants of it mm-hmm. um you have to treat that threat accordingly or an edge weapon and i've read uh, so many uh, articles about the uh, the number of edge weapon attacks in the in the uk now i know that it's, it's a oh, london's uh, I, I don't know what i was just talking about this last night my father the last two or three years london has just become like one of the naive capitals in the world and there doesn't seem to be people come up with the theories why and that's the conversation i was having with my father there's so many different reasons that there isn't a reason you know that thing there's just far too many factors you can't pinpoint it on one thing but it's through the roof now i mean it's it's i've never seen anything like it like it is just now for such a wonderful beautiful city we're north of the border here in scotland but you know i've, I've got my love for the capital and sure wow uh, and, and totally I, different I, I i you said it so well there's so many reasons there are there is no reason mm-hmm. uh that's a great way to put it um and and that's that's throughout the world there was some statistic that i had read I, i'm not sure i agree entirely with it but that 70 percent of the world's male population carries some form of cutting instrument mm-hmm. uh in the u.s you can see um people with the first thing i look at you know in blue jeans is if i think that there's a problem or a potential problem is is there a uh, um, a folding knife uh, there and the laws here, at least, that it can be explained if it's not um, too long, it's it's about two and three quarters inches, and if it's not a fixed blade, it's perfectly legal to have them in in most states. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank goodness one can't fly with them, uh, but you know there, there's just so many um, available uh, or or makeshift cutting instruments. As I mentioned, all you need is a bottle, you break it, and we do sure. practice breaking bottles, by the way, to see the way they shard. Yeah, um, you've got an impact weapon and then into an edge weapon. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a real problem. And, uh, when we practice at weapon defenses, for example, many people like to think about fancy hand moves, but ultimately if, if you recognize the, um, the threat in time, we, uh, the Krav Maga when taught properly uses, um, some, some pretty devastating low kicks and, uh, it, it's somewhat dependent on, on the type of attack, but anytime an attacker, um, commits with, with a, uh, anything, but really the, the firearm and that that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some vulnerability there that you need to, you need to take advantage of. And it may be a fleeting moment or it could be, um, more opportune if the person's not skilled, but, uh, Fighting against a knife is is a uh, it's one of the worst nightmares one can have, no matter how well trained you are. 
No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, if the guy's wearing a gi and he's got a knife, I'll fancy my chances a little bit more, but I'm still very much aware that he's, you know, carrying, that he's tooled up, as we would say here in Scotland, he's carrying he's carrying a weapon. David, talk to me a wee bit more about, it was really interesting what you said about the, the seriousness of it, you know, the psychological factors, uh, and obviously you come from, from a law background. Do you put, incorporate that as part of your teaching? You know, almost it's like... Uh, try and talk yourself out of a fight like that that kind of situation yes uh it's one thanks uh terrific point uh, in fact um we're running a, a seminar here in the u.s on may 11th i've been doing a lot of research over the years about the best uh de-escalation tactics and uh deconfliction it's somewhat it's uh, basically it's the same way of saying it's a synonym and um what i am uh, focusing on is um so many people probably are, are tuning in who are highly trained and very skilled but in the case of a particular kind of violence, uh, social violence, where you can opt out or walk away, what is the best way to do it? How can I convince myself? Because I'm, you know, I'm trained. Uh, I don't think I'm a badass by any means. Uh, I'm capable, but you know, there's always going to be somebody bigger, stronger, faster, maybe better trained. How do I walk away from uh, a confrontation where the guy has, um, or it could be a woman, but you know, obviously more likely a male has uh, um, challenged my masculinity? or called me out and said I'm a chicken, you know, expletive, or or something, or glaring at me, um, and how do I walk away knowing it was his lucky day, mm. and that I have um, followed the surefire way of, of prevailing in a, in a fight, which is not getting into one. Um, so we're going to deal with uh, strategies uh, for such scenarios as uh, road rage, um, a invasion mm. of personal space, Yep. Um, you know, a staring, glaring, or uh, a verbal sniping contest, um, all of these things. And obviously, uh, you know, if alcohol is involved, all of these factors will, will, will uh, measure into it. But it's really about, um, I call it conflict control or a form of, of anger management. Um, not worrying about so much about him, but what am I going to do? How do I divest myself of this? And there, there are a number of strategies that are, are in the in the, uh, the Israeli Rav Maga curriculum. Uh, Emi, the founder, left it open to for improvements, all, all parts of it. Um, and one of the ones I find most um, compelling is 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 getting somebody off the ladder. In other words, um, you cannot uh, communicate with uh, someone who is uh, angry, let alone enraged. Uh, obviously, uh, anger, violence—it's it's all a form of communication, one way or another. And how can I get him to listen to me? And yet keep myself safe and prepared for what could be a, an unavoidable attack. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if he is talking and then he decides to attack, how am I going to um, neutralize him mm -hmm. quickly and efficiently? And um, we, we use anatomical targeting, which I mentioned. Uh, and I'll, I'll get back to the, um, you know, the psychological side of it. But I'm also watching what he's doing. I'm watching tone. I'm watching movements. Is he, is he clenched with his fingers? His hands is he is our neck muscles bulging and um if he's still um got coloration in his face it's still an anger stage but when he goes white or ashen depending on um, on skin tone uh he's overcome those uh, social inhibitors about attacking or the consequences mm -hmm. he she doesn't care so yeah. at that point it's krav maga um in terms of tactics but again there's a mental side of it and that may be the most difficult is, is how do i walk away with this how do i how do i uh back off from, you know, what is seemingly uh, a good opportunity to teach somebody maybe a lesson so they don't do it to somebody else. But mm -hmm. that's not my job in the end. Um, so it is, it is an integral part of the, tra uh, the training. Uh, the founder, Eni Lichtenfeld, had a quote um, basically to, to be humble or to be humble that you can walk away uh, or to be um, confident enough to show him that I didn't beat him was the quote or I didn't have to beat him down. Right. Uh -huh. if you, he said, if you beat him down, 
that's no good. Yeah. So it must be used, you know, strictly for self-defense purposes. Uh, military is a different story, um, and we, we've been fortunate enough uh, to work uh, with so many wonderful military branches, including the Royal Marines. That was that was a wonderful experience wow. uh, at Portsmouth. Uh, amazing group of guys, oh, wow. talented martial artists, and and that was a uh, you know a lifetime experience getting to do that. Um, so there, there there are many aspects of it, but ultimately it boils down to uh, mental conditioning. And um, remaining cool under an attack as well. Um, everybody's got to understand, again, going back to reality, that uh, tunnel vision uh, will encroach on your ability to, to recognize threats around you as you focus or, or, or naturally zoom in on the threat. Um, our peripheral vision is always uh, better than our, our narrow focus. It's just the way we're built. It goes back to savannas, I believe, uh, from the research. Uh, seeing a cat to sneak up on you to eat you was was a handy um, a handy tool, right? <laughs> <laughs> or a, a, a sightly thing. Uh, so there, there there are a number of of, um, of, of factors that all, all all go into it, and and ultimately with these classes, um, as I've kind of tried to, to to take us away from the idea of just fighting, um, if somebody puts a, uh, a knife to your neck and then you need to learn how to, how to defend that, well, how'd they get the knife to your neck in the first place? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Or how did, how did you get enveloped by three people and not, uh, recognize that they're trying to flank you to, mm-hmm. um, strong army or yeah. to, you know, it could be just an ambush. Um, so the situational awareness is always the, the, uh, the, the term that's used out there and, and it's right. You know, how did you get in this situation in the first place? And if we can, um, preempt or preclude by by leaving it or, or avoiding it that's the best solution and any 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 good self-defense will will or should emphasize that at the expense of everything else situational awareness that's good what about consequential awareness because one of the stories that always terrified me coming up in martial arts was uh, i would hear sto- uh, stories of like friends they got in a fight um and then what happened is the guy they got in a fight with was seriously injured and then let's say it goes to court or whatever you'll know this having mm-hmm. a law background and that guy suffers more of a pain because of you know what the training that he has if it was just two guys in a fight you know it's it's, it's lesser or whatever is that part of the teachings as well be wary that you have this power that maybe a, a civvy for want of a better phrase wouldn't have it's certainly no and, and that that would that would apply to any kind of, of training and um we have something called retsef which is developed by grandmaster Haim Gidan, and that's what we call continuous combat motion and you can think of it this way as a um a single shot of a uh, automatic weapon it hits its mark and then you go fully automatic mm-hmm. in other words we've 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 created a um uh, we've stunned the opponent or we've we've maybe crippled them but we're going to continue until the threat is no more so that can be turned uh, against one in court uh you're going it, it's going to invite uh, a great deal of legal scrutiny what the training was and the issue here at least in the u.s the uk system is a little different but um, ultimately, you, you're going to be uh, presented to uh, jurors or a, a panel of judges or one judge who may not have ever taken any kind of self-defense. And because you um, you have an affirmative self-defense uh, uh, that you're trained and you, you own up to it, he or she may think, well, why didn't you put some kind of um, you know pressure, ho- pressure control or joint lock or something to uh, immobilize the person and not injure them uh, the way you did? Sure. And so, in uh, again, in this in this book, I've given several examples, um, and one of them could could go like this: Let's say you deliver a, a solid sidekick with your heel to somebody's knee who's who's about to attack you, and then you're held accountable for it. And one of the explanations, and again, this is not legal advice; I, I wouldn't give legal advice, um, you know, in this in this context. Uh, it could be, you know, um, I, I as a trained fighter, a trained trained person, I wouldn't call myself a fighter. 
uh, understand how serious it is to hit somebody in the head, as he was about to do. And therefore, I did not want to hit him in the head to stop him. And that's why I chose to kick him in his knee to put him to the ground so that he couldn't continue to attack me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that kind of, um, uh, it's not legal circumlocution, it's just good thinking that you, you're going to explain yeah. not just what you did or how you did it, but why you did it. Mm-hmm. What was the justification? What was your thought process? Yeah, it sounds um, like it's, uh, it's almost like common sense in combat, I guess that's that's kind of the idea. And yes, you hit it. On, you hit it on the head. Forgive the pun, <laughs> uh, but it's uh, uh, recognizing uh, what are normal movements of a person versus attack movements. Yes. Ah. Uh-huh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and being able to articulate that, and and really, it's it's about being a more articulate. Again, I, I emphasize not just what you did, but why you did it, mm-hmm. and and that's what's going to come um, to pass. Um, if if somebody has a knife uh, and you're able to disarm them, you know you'll see that I, I emphasize using the, the the pommel of the knife and not the blade. Only only in a in a, in a, um, uh, a severe situation, a a, a, um, a very uncommon situation when you have to use the blade on them. But um, again, it, it it can be justified under the right circumstances. But we we're, we're not teaching to kill. Uh, it's very, very important that people understand that. There, there's many videos with Krav Maga out there where they're teaching um, supposed neck breaks, and, and most of them are incorrect, thank goodness, um, because there's some bad people watching these things too. Um, so whatever we're teaching, we, we try to, to restrict, but it, it's a um, it, it's about the sales gimmicks of, of, of turning the knife on them. Of uh, you know, it, it just you do that, le- and and you, you've uh, you've stopped the situation. You decide for retribution. You're going to pay for it, literally and physically. Mm-hmm. I, I by hear incarceration. You, I hear you talking about you know disarmament of weapons and, and predominantly uh, blades and knives and bottles. What about firearms? Because obviously, UK and USA, we've got different laws in terms of guns. But right. I imagine that's a big part of what you do as well. Uh, yep, yeah, fi- firearm defenses are, are a um, a very large part of what we do, and um, also impact weapons, which are any kind of uh, club cudgel could be a beer bottle. Um, but interestingly, the statistics uh, in the U.S. via the FBI is that um, 60% of all robberies, here at least, are what they call strong arm. And that means no weapons involved. Yeah. It could be multiple uh, robbers, but it's, um, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Only uh, about 7%, if I'm remembering correctly, are attributable to edge weapons, and the rest are firearms because they're accessible here. Right. Um, maybe there's a parallel to the U.K., and there's, there's a, a small percentage of impact or what they call other weapons involved. Uh, maybe if you substitute the the, the um, significant firearms percentage, you know that would be the same in the UK. I'm not sure about the UK statistics, and uh, you know somebody would be able to to readily uh, point them out. Um, but uh, the Krav Maga is probably best known for some of its weapon defenses, and and it's probably a good point to to, to speak to it that it was um, developed uh, in the in the late um, uh, 1930s in Slovakia by, as I mentioned, Emi Lichtenfeld. And uh, he was always faced with multiple opponents, and he had to make sure that the system was practical and that every uh, combative counted. And that's why the way I've been trained, at least by Grandmaster Gidon and the IKMA, is that there's no wasted motion or no wasted movements because I could have to deal with three attackers at once, and and he often had to. Mm -hmm. So if he were to deliver a a kick, a punch, an elbow, a takedown, it had to be – optimized it's not to say he would only uh, use one or two combatives against somebody but it was only a fraction of a second before somebody else started to attack so uh it, it, it's very well known for that but um the tactics were um at least for firearms were concerned were developed around the capabilities and the functionality of firearms as opposed to a traditional system uh where firearms maybe hadn't been prevalent or you know hadn't been used at the time and then forcing certain techniques to try to defend a firearm uh, if that makes sense yeah no in other absolutely. Words, 
it was developed around the firearm to how to best defend it instead of forcing something that had been um, mm-hmm. uh, you know preconceived or or, or had trained and then and then forcing it on uh, a firearm defense if, if that makes sense again. Oh yeah, I mean the viral videos, uh, videos that I see um, <laughs> certainly helps the likes of me and ignorant person. Whenever there's a, like a disarm seminar that pops up on my, my social media crowd, my God, I'm glued to the screen. Like I, <laughs> I can't take my eyes off. I find it fascinating um, when I see the because it's you, you guys have it like so. It's, it is martial arts. I can I can appreciate and see this martial arts, but it's so detached from martial arts. Like you've got to wear a special suit and bow and ritual. It's 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 less that and more real life. Really. Is, I guess is what I'm getting at. It's it's like you. It, it's it's that it's that missing link. Maybe that's how I'm trying to describe it. It's that missing link from martial arts to okay. How would this play out in the real world? And anytime I see those, like I said, man, I'm, I am absolutely glued to those videos. I find them fascinating. Well, I'm going to get you some more because we're about to launch our um, our, our Master in Krav Maga online, which is about 500 online lessons. It's taken uh, wow. uh, me about five years to put together, and uh, I'll be sure to get you signed up. So stay tuned for that. It's a 2.0 version. Uh, but you know, the way you described it is, I, I would actually um, prefer to, to describe at least the Krav Maga that we teach is more of a self defense system, mm-hmm. uh, and for the military, hand to hand combat instead of martial arts. And uh, that's not to criticize any uh, system out there because every system's got some great aspect of it and, you know, something to positive contribute. It's just that, that um, Emi um, knew that he had to dispense with um, some of the more flashy moves because it has to work for everybody. And uh, it's got to work for the, the smallest defender, the largest defender, right, um, yeah. age considerations. Um, it just has to be simple, and, and and that's probably why it's become so popular is that it, there's a, a wonderful um, learning curve within it because it, it relies on instincts. Uh, the retention, because it's instinctive, is, is highly adoptive and adaptive, and uh, people just – they, they gravitate towards it because it's simple, and we do a few things really well, and they apply to many different situations. That's one of the reasons why I love Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, particularly in my, uh, I was going to say my twilight, maybe I'm not that old, but like, you know, as I moved into my 30s, because Taekwondo mm-hmm. from like 10 and through my 20s, if you weren't flexible, man, you were getting your butt kicked because of the, the you know, the, the parameters in which it exists, you're side on, you're, you're in, a, in a squared mat for two minutes, and it's a sprint, everything's a sprint, and you've got to be quick and, and flashy, I guess, like you're saying as well, and, and you've got to be, have amazing dexterity, and obviously the older you get, cartilage starts to wear away, bolts and nuts starting <laughs> fall, you know what I mean, and it's <laughs> harder, so like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you can, you can work yourself around that, I don't know how many competitions where I've went in and I've already got a broken whatever, or, you know, I'm sure. working around an injury, yeah. but, you know, skill set, it's not, it's not physique it's techniques the skill sets were enough to to get me through and the and not that i'm saying i'm the most intelligent guy in the world but the my intelligent part of my game would would like for anyone else would would see them through as well so like i i love i love hearing when you talked about um it needs to be from the smallest guy to the biggest guy yeah i, I love hearing that because that's again that's a, a testament to to more real or real life really sure and, and the other thing we we uh, must emphasize is that we teach men and women exactly the same uh, there's no, um, th- there's there really no difference except for certain sexual assault situations where we're, we're going to modify the tactics. Um, and one of the things I might also compliment is I, I think the world of uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, in fact, it just ran a, um, a comprehensive uh, three-day law enforcement uh, instructor course for, for um, a number of um, uh, about 26 officers, and uh, a couple of them, including my uh, my very good friend, who I brought up um, or came up to visit me from Virginia, who works at the, the, uh, with the uh, U.S. Navy. He was the um, 
former United States Marine Corps hand-to-hand combat chief instructor, Ron Jacobs, uh, just amazing insights. He's one of my best, best pals. And uh, he was improving some of the stuff that we do. Uh, and I and I always welcome it. Whenever we teach, it's a two way street. We learn um, some of the the uh, you know the subtleties of of, of uh, the armbar defenses and counters to them. Um, we welcome all training. And um, what Grandmaster Gidon has done, uh, to his credit, it, it, just amazing what he's done. Uh, Krav Maga really did not deal until the early '90s with uh, ground survival. Right. Um, but to be a complete system, obviously, you need to look at everything. And so Hayam taught himself um, many of the, the most common um, Sambo and Jiu-Jitsu attacks mm-hmm. and, and how we've got to defend them. And we train um, hard on the ground. What I'm more interested in getting the students to understand is how to defend these types of things because um, we prefer not to be on the ground uh, if, you know, in a street situation because you can obviously be stomped by multiple opponents. Uh, a weapon can be taken out. You know, you don't have the mobility. And um, all that said, but we have to be capable. Um, but my point is, is that we need to know how to defend against a uh, an arm break, an arm bar, straight arm bar, or a triangle choke, or a guillotine, um, and how professionals will do it. Um, thank goodness that most um, jiu-jitsu practitioners and, and uh, MMA fighters, they're, they're all really good people, and they would be on, on the right side of the law. Um, you know, every, every so often, like every group, you'll have a, a couple of people, you know, the minority to be sure, sure. but, um, you know, they could misuse what they've learned. Mm-hmm. So, um, we look at it that way. And also for the military, um, when, when this was developed, um, by Amy, judo was, was a, um, a big component of the opposing armies, um, hand to hand combat programs. So our counter throws are very good against judo. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and to this day, we, we look at what um, opposing uh, forces, really, it's, it's, it's some of the terrorist groups, if I can call them that, uh, are doing. And by the way, one of the, the biggest uh, mandates for, for these terror groups is the war in Krav Maga. Wow. It's been found in, in training manuals. I won't be specific how, uh, but I, I know for a fact it's, it's something that, that's encouraged that they be learned. So um, just something, that, I guess, a point that we should bring up. Yeah, definitely. That's an important point. And it has its origins, obviously, in the military, like we've talked about. It's still very much alive and well in, in, in well, I guess, in Israel and, and around the world, militarily, this uh, has, has made its way around the globe. Yes, yes. We're actually just awarded a, um, uh, a contract with, with a uh, Tier 1 military group. Truly an honor to get to, to do work with these guys again. So, um, you know, it, we, we're, we're very, very careful about um, disseminating the, the military side because that is strictly about uh, offensive tactics and uh, eliminating uh, an enemy combatant. Yeah. And, and again, civilians really, I don't, uh, there's people who disagree with me, but I don't believe in teaching um, the optimum strangleholds or how to break somebody's neck uh, to civilians. It's just not um, uh, a, a responsible thing to do. Exactly, and it goes back to what we talked about, about the psychological you know, um, component of it as well. Uh, and how that person's how that person responds yeah are, are they blue in the face or are they yeah exactly yeah civilian sure. civilian mindset and a military mindset are two completely different things and people should never get those those confused tell us a bit more about the book though I was, i'm curious about is this your first publish or yeah. oh i'm sorry no it's actually uh number six john wow, um, wow. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's been a, a a wonderful thing my my publisher uh first publisher st martin's uh, we've got uh, three and my uh, other publishers uh ymma um uh, david ripianzi is a, a wonderful publisher the, the guys who, who edit it uh let me just give a shout out to tim uh comrie and uh tj lafredo they're they're just amazing and they're martial artists themselves so they understand the importance of um getting a certain angle shot and they allow me to put in as many photos as I need 
Uh, although <laughs> I have to self-restrict. I actually I have book seven and eight <laughs> planned as well. And uh, so this, this latest book, if you don't mind my giving it a plug, Please. it's focusing on uh, um, combatives. Mm-hmm. And this is the core of what we do. When I first went to Israel with Chaim, he said, great, but we're, if you don't know how to um, maximize your body's uh, offensive capabilities or counterattack capabilities, you don't have a foundation. So um, this is called um, um, Krav Maga Combatives Maximum Effect. And the idea is to show the core combatives that we, we teach uh, as a uh, foundation for the counterattacks. Um, and I've got um, certain attack uh, um, scenarios interspersed there to make it a little bit more interesting, such as a, a sucker punch when you've got your phone in your hand from the front or a, a rear naked choke, um, you know, things like that. So it's not mm-hmm. just showing uh, combatives in a vacuum. It's showing how they're actually used right. in, a, uh, in a counterattack. Um, and again, with, with the book, we were doing things, uh, you know, full speed because it just, there, there's, there's too many, um, there, there, there are too many, uh, tactics out there, which are not, um, they're just not applicable unless you do them, you test them against a, a full speed, hundred percent attack. Um, and anything in the crop system that doesn't work or is suspect is thrown out. It has to be proven. That's awesome. Awesome stuff. David, uh, some of our fans are uh, excited as you're on and, and I've sent us some questions and you're, you're okay to, to hang around and, and answer no, some No, I'm honoured. Please, yes, yes. Delighted oh, to help. Let's do it. I've got some from Twitter uh, and some from Facebook. Uh, so we'll, we'll start with the Twitter ones then. Let's see. Uh, at Snookai Snoo, Love Dolls. I, I, I just read them. Um, <laughs> is asking, uh, I'm going to take a Krav Maga, uh, Krav Maga class tonight. Uh, will I learn about how to pluck out eyeballs, punch bad guys in the throat and kick their balls. In real life, I just mace their face and run. <laughs> hey, you know what? Yeah, whatever works, my book is very good Krav Maga. So if, it, if, it's, if it's deploying your, 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 your mace, your OC, and, and getting them and running away, uh, that's the best strategy. Once I was running a treadmill, somebody says, don't you teach that, that, uh, that Israeli you know, self-defense? I said, yeah, I'm doing the best form of it right now. So what do you mean? I said, I'm running away. <laughs> well said, man. Uh, yeah, it depends on the class, and uh, you know, again, there's been some criticism out there, and rightly so, because uh, men, women, in- instinctively they protect the groin, and w- which is where our retsef comes in. Right. Um, if we kick to the groin within a millisecond, we're also hitting the face, because if they drop their hands to protect the groin, they're opening up their neck and their head. Oh. If they don't uh, drop their hands, they may be open. So yes, there's there's an emphasis on anatomical targeting, um, but you as as a, a great jujitsu practitioner know that 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 um you know a skilled fighter is not going to uh, leave that anatomy open no. and and people instinctively will close their eyes will turn their head away they'll avert they'll cross their legs um so it, it has to be um a strategy mm-hmm. but there are other uh strategies that have to have to fit in well with it, it has to be an overall uh, comprehensive approach not just you know i'll kick him in the balls or I'll, 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 I'll take his eye out but that's not to say if i had to teach two tactics and i've said this time and time again i would teach a sidekick to the knee with a heel, mm-hmm. and I would teach what I call the rule of thumb, which is using the the uh, thumb uh, and the cheek as a guide to go right straight into the eye socket. So, uh, yes, uh, anatomical targeting is everything, but um, it's not the only thing, clearly. Fair enough. Uh, at Else for Elf is asking, how does the belt system work in Krav Maga? I think you were going to explain this earlier on, but um, the, the ranking system, I guess, she wants to know. Sure. Uh, different associations have got uh, different time frames. Uh, for us, you know, again, as the the, uh, the the leading or the original organization, it takes uh, about ten years to get to a black belt, and so going backwards, it's about um, nine months for a yellow belt, which is the first belt, mm-hmm. and about two years for the orange belt. 
um, three to three and a half years for the for the green belt, uh, five to six years for the blue belt, all in cumulatively, uh, seven to eight could be nine for the brown belt, and then uh, black belt is invitation. Um, for Grandmaster Gidon, it's about six years in between each black belt, so it takes us a while to get up to up, up the ranks. We we don't uh, we don't deliver them, um, you know, they're they're not given out gratuitously or for political favor. No, that's that's good. That's good to hear. I like to hear that um, that it's that it's earned. It sounds like for sure. Um, at Deepu Five, I read that Krav Maga is a mixture of other martial arts. If so, which other martial art forms were combined to form Krav Maga? Super question. Uh, Emi, the founder, was a boxer and a wrestler. So boxing and wrestling have a um, you know a key component to it. Uh, but it will take. Uh, I, I would venture to say that Krav Maga is the original mixed martial art, but without rules. Mm-hmm. So when MMA came along, um, save the weapon defenses, uh, Krav Maga was looking at all aspects of the fight from um, leg range to hand range to clinching to takedowns uh, and then having to survive the ground and get up to multiple opponents. So you will see elements of uh, Muay Thai, I guess. We, we, we don't kick exactly as a Thai fighter would. Uh, you'll see wrestling. Uh, you'll see some Aikido with the Cavaliers. You'll see um, some Taekwondo um kicks they're, they're limited because again everybody's got to be able to do them sure. uh it's arguable you could see some sabat in there with the um the bailout defenses where we kick to the uh to the groin with the ball mm-hmm. of the foot as somebody tries to stab or slash uh going below the knife in other words the leg is is is, is low in a way away from that knife slash right um so yes it, it is i don't want to say it's a bastardization because emi took the bits and pieces that he saw worked because again there are only so many ways one can kick or punch so any kind of effective self-defense is going to have more in common than not mm-hmm. and um, what i've said again and i and i um, sincerely mean it with the u.s military for example with the marine corps and, and the navy uh guys that we work with um that there are going to be more similarities than dissimilarities and good minds uh, certainly think alike. So, yes. um, you know, anybody with a good background uh, will fit right into Krav Maga. <laughs> no doubt. Um, at SS Disco Land, if Krav Maga is such an effective martial art, how come we don't see it in MMA? It sounds like we do, but just given the, the, the rundown you gave us there, but um, SS Disco Land doesn't think that they see it in MMA. What's your thoughts? Well, uh, no, it's, it's it's a wonderful point. Um, if you look at the uh, the first UFC fights, you will see it with with uh, the only thing they weren't allowed is to fish hook, I think, and eye gouge and a couple other things. Yeah, but you could head everything, ball, though, right? yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Everything that was banned or or, or or stricken from MMA these days is exactly what Krav Maga focuses on. <laughs> right. In other words, kicking, kicking, kicking the knee out, uh, yeah. fish hooking the eye, hitting the kidneys, stomping somebody when they're down, um, you know, for good reason, uh, kicking to the head, the throat, the solar flexible on the ground so um but to um in a counterpoint to my own observation there grandmaster gidon in my my you know conversations with him and i, and I try to see him a couple times a year uh said that the best mma fighters are actually doing retsif which is continuous combat motion uh but maybe not always recognizing it as uh you know as, as what we call it so um uh, there's the timing in, in MMA fighting, the, the you know the conditioning, the the movement. Um, it, it, they're you know these guys are great fighters, and and as I mentioned before, there are only so many ways the human body can move effectively. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's got to be a great deal of overlap. It's just that the anatomical targeting that we would use in a, in a street self defense situation or for law enforcement, if, if necessary, and deadly force, military, um, is not allowed in MMA because the fighters wouldn't last very long. And they wouldn't. And not only would that not last very long in the in the match, but they would um, 
uh, they may not <laughs> come back to another match from the injuries. <laughs> Debilitating um, injury, yeah. And, and finally, again, I, I don't consider myself a, a tough person or, or a badass or anything like that. But people said, how would I – I'm 46 now, so I'm well, 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 well probably past it. Uh, how would I do an MMA match? And I said, well, I would lose. And they said, oh, so you're not that good. I said, well, that may be, but I would um, – I'd get disqualified. <laughs> well, that's so, it. exactly right. Um, and, and, and I was just fighting with some 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 BJJ black belts the other day, and I said, "Look, you know, let's do this." I said, "But I'm going to incorporate both um, tactics, leverage, positioning, everything else, along with my dirty moves." I said, "So, uh, are we agreed with that?" And they said, "Yeah." And uh, I, I definitely help my own. But if it was strictly a, um, a sporting aspect of it. Uh, I would be at a disadvantage because my thinking right away is I attack whatever vulnerable anatomy I've got. And uh, for those BJJ guys out there, uh, you know, again, um, a good fighter is going to, um, if you take a rear naked choke on, on him or her, he's going to cover up. And it's very difficult to sink that choke. But mm -hmm. if I use a, uh, an elbow to the base of a skull or I fish hook an eye to get that throat up. It's going to prize that arm, right? Yeah. Or, or I use my heels to kick the kick him or her repeatedly in the groin mm. or the, the, the liver, the mm. chances of my sinking the choke are a lot better. Absolutely. And <laughs> everything I just said we're aware of can be done to us. So yes. whatever I can do, uh, the opponent can do. And that's the way we got to think about it. Absolutely. Well said. Um, from Facebook, the first one is uh, from a gentleman, Michael Anders. It's quite a long one. So um, I'll, I'll do them I'll do them in honor sure, of getting, sure, get sure. it in. Let's see. No problem. Um, I've recently began Krav Maga training at the center that I go to. Uh, has a highly acclaimed instructor who is also friendly and patient. I love the arts and believe it teaches very practical skills. However, it is hit and miss with other students. And these are the people I have to practice with. Many times my training partner just barely goes through the motions and to put it bluntly is very wimpy. I do not like it this because it doesn't seem realistic to me at all for how a real fight might be and even changes muscle memory when one trains in a weak way. In fact, watching the Israelis on YouTube doesn't seem like they would approve of this at all. I've also tried a boxing gym, and while they don't teach as many techniques for dealing with weapons and realistic street situations, the aggression and physical factor is definitely much higher, which I like, and I do feel that is necessary for actual self-defense. This has to be a common issue. What are some ways to resolve the issue of getting your training partner to become more aggressive during training? I would just tell the guy, look, can we go hard? That would be... If I was into this, I would say, look, can we... That's great advice. Uh, I, I've said, uh, when I when I, uh, I try to respond to everything I can, when I've, I've got the, uh, some of the most popular DVDs on Amazon as far as, you know, self-defense go with these, uh, the Master and Krav Maga. Again, I'm not, not shilling for the product, but what I do in this email that I follow up is say the key to training on one's own or in a gym is, is getting a, uh, a solid training partner. And that partner has got to cooperate when necessary, but most of the time it's, it's a non-cooperative type of thing under control, though. Right. Uh, in other words, he or she has got to put the, the appropriate pressure on you or the, the appropriate uh, attack. And then as you build up, uh, you, you're obviously you know, you're changing roles as the attacker and the defender, and then that uh, former defender becomes attacker. Um, but if, if these um, tactics are not executed with uh, speed and force, it does not simulate uh, the reality of an attack. And um, in a real-life situation, shock can, can be the biggest impediment to defending yourself or, or surviving a situation. So we're trying to, um, through stress inoculation in the training with a good partner and a good instructor, condition the body to react. And you're never going to simulate a real uh, attack because of the adrenaline factor and, and, and other, other um, um, you know, aspects of it. But we do our best 
Um, and one of the, the, the key things that a very good friend of mine, Nirma Man, I give a shout out to him, is that um, people often wonder uh, that I saw my life flash before my eyes. You've heard that expression, I imagine, right? Sure. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, the, the explanation, but if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll follow through with it. Go for it. Um, your, um, your brain is, uh, checking everything you've ever done. It's scanning your entire life to see if you've been in a similar situation and what you did in a, uh, in response to the stimulus or the, or the threat. Mm. So you're scanning everything you've ever done. Well, we want to put you in a position where you've done, done something similar to this so that you don't think it becomes instinct and you let instinct hijack your higher cerebral levels that you're, you're, you're going on uh, muscle memory and uh, past conditioning, which is how the, the highest level operators in, you know, in the military and law enforcement um, do their jobs. That's interesting. I mean, uh, the, the life flashing before your eyes thing, I mean, uh, uh, not even just physical combat, I can think of uh, Christ, my own father, he had a, a quadruple heart bypass many years ago, mm. and, uh, and and he's not he's not one for, um, what, what can I call it, he's not one for like ghost stories or believing in supernatural, let's say, or anything like that, but he vividly remembers uh, being awake during the operation, um, you know, seeing lights and visions, and that, mm. that, that phrase as well stuck out, my life, that was the first time I heard that, I was only like 10, 11, my life flashed before my eyes, and it always stuck with me, I is like you know is it just when you're close to death or is it just when your body's in like when you said instinct mode panic mode that that these sort of recesses of the brain kick in i've always wondered that yeah no i i, I was very appreciative when i when i first learned that many many years ago and and, and you really codified that um that explanation um so you get back to the the question again uh, you have to have a good training partner and why uh, when we have women uh, in in class it's not a question of uh, male versus female it's, it's you know size sure. and 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 strength and speed so i often ask our male um uh, students who are, who are great with this to uh, to work with the women and to attack them because there's there are many many good women self defense classes out there for combatives learning how to fight back but to 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 um to really conduct that stress inoculation I, I, I mentioned, um, you've got to have a bigger a bigger attacker against you know a woman, which is generally what happens, just male female um, sizing. And um, again, for uh, uh, for a fight fighting, and finally, I'm just thinking that the the way to, to, to best sum it up, we will spar, but it's got to be under control, and and that's where um, the the training and the belt levels come in because I can kick somebody in the knee. And they know that I delivered a sidekick, which if it had been full force, I would have crippled them. Or I can, um, you know, I can hit them in the head. So we we, we go 100% speed, but not 100% power. Sure. Um, but we also uh, do extensive bag work, so I can work that power, and so I don't pull up in an actual self-defense, uh, you know, situation. So, um, you know, you, you can you can signal putting your your finger in somebody's eye, and you got to cooperate in that sense. Um, I I work with some amazing military guys, and they're not understanding that I'm signaling; they're getting hit. As I'm taking away the weapon, and they said, "I'm good, sir. I'm good, sir." I said, "But you're you're getting hit." Yeah, I know. I'm good, sir. And then a palm heel to the ear sends them sprawling, uh, <laughs> and then they understand. Um, you know, w- one of the favorite things I did with again with the Marine Corps, great guy Ben um, uh, Parker. Uh, I said, "I'm gonna put myself in a really bad situation. You're gonna choke me. I'm gonna let you choke me. I wouldn't allow this, but I want to show you I can get out of this thing." He says, uh, "You mean yeah, I can choke you?" I said, "Yeah, you can choke me. If I pass out, I pass out. If I tap out, I tap out." Mm-hmm. And you know, he was grinning from ear to ear. Um, but the way we do the defense is, I, I, I defeated the fi- the choke by obviously tucking my chin. I, I pried his um, uh, his thumb away from his, his choking him. But the most important thing is, I dug my thumb right into his eye. Oh. And uh, to this day, where we laugh about it because he's 
grunting. He said, sir, let, get my, your thumb is in my eye. It's coming out. I said, well, then let go. And then, uh, <laughs> then we were best of friends. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> and and he had, had the roles been reversed, he would have done it to me. And, you know, again, uh, three pounds of pressure and your 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 eyeballs three in big trouble. Pre- that's, yeah, on the point that it's on. Yeah, interesting. Good stuff. Uh, mm. Charlotte Wilskin uh, is asking on Facebook, I need practical self-defense skills and I'm thinking of Krav Maga. After Googling, I realize people do Krav Maga for many years and there's different levels. Here's the context. Today, some dude tried to fight me while I was waiting for my train unprovoked. He shouted crazy things at me, called me a bitch, mm. threw something on my hair as well. Someone helped me, but it's possible no one will be around next time. So will Krav Maga help me in the next thing? Yes. Uh, I, in the first book I, I was fortunate to put out in 2004, um, the, the first uh, line is that you may be your first and last line of defense in an increasingly violent world mm-hmm. and the police obviously or good Samaritans can't be there all the time. So that, that, um, question is, is very well thought and very well put. And yes, um, Krav Maga will help. Uh, the mindset, uh, is, is, is vital that you're, you're willing to damage another human being. Um, oftentimes we have, uh, um, we do some women's self-defense and, and the women sort of recoil, not, it's not male or women and both men and women would, but in this case, um, it's, it's a, um, a self-defense seminar. And I said, look, are you willing to put your thumb deep into somebody's eye? And some of the women are, are kind people. Uh, some of the men are too. We all are, I hope, uh, cause it's, it's not a natural thing to want to dig your thumb into somebody's eye <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know, around the world. Uh, but I said to them, look, um, to develop the mindset, I said, you've got children and they nod, or you've got a husband, you've got parents. I said, you, if not for you, you've got to make it home. Mm-hmm. So yes, Krav Maga can help. You need to develop the mindset that you're going to survive the situation no matter what. Um, you will do whatever it takes. And uh, again, when, when attacked, there's, a, there's that, that crucial moment, that all-important moment where the, the attacker is giving you a vulnerability and you need to take it uh, with extreme prejudice and, 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 and end this threat. Uh, however necessary so um yeah the key is again vetting the instructor the, the best way to to, to to find good krav maga training is to look at the lineage like every martial art and if that instructor has gotten um training from one of Eni's top people um and there are only a few of them but if if they've, they've come through that lineage the training should be good um it's not to say that there are other krav maga instructors who who are, are bad you just it's it's hit or miss you just have to uh to, to look at how they approach the training and you need to see what the fighting is. Uh, in the U.S., you see a lot of Krav Maga, a lot of sparring and grunting and, and, and that sort of thing. And that's important, uh, the mindset. But you've got to couple that aggressive mindset with practical and sound tactics. And then you have a, you have a winning strategy. Yeah, yeah. Um, aggression is, 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 is a prerequisite. That's a given. But you need to couple it with correct movements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're, then you're, then you're talking about uh, you know, true, authentic Krav Maga. Awesome. There you go, Charlotte. I hope that's answered your question. David, this has been fascinating. I, I, I'm delighted that you're, you've come on and educated me and educated our fans. Um, it's, it's, this has really been something special. Oh, I want to thank you so much. honoured. John, no, my, my pleasure. And, you know, if there are more questions that come in, let's do it again. Uh, you and I will get our times and, and we'll have another chat. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Well, I've got one more from Facebook then I would like to put in just, just before you we bet. wrap up. Um, Tonya sure. Scott is asking, uh, I'm 55. Am I too old to start training? I did some wrestling at college about 30 years ago. I'm pretty out of shape, but I would like to learn. You're never, one is never too old <laughs> and never too young, uh, except that, you know, obviously we, we mentioned it about kids. We're not, we're not teaching them throat strikes and knee kicks and, and eye gouges. Uh, that, yeah. that has to be saved for, you know, a mature mind. But um, no, 55 is a great time to do it. 
Um, you know, you can get your swagger back very, very quickly. Uh, <laughs> one of my great friends and a, and a photographer um, who helps me, Paul Carlene, is in his mid 70s and he's fighting and he's helping us teach. Uh, frankly, Chaim uh, Gidon uh, is still beating me up to this day, and Chaim is, uh, is, is in his middle 70s. Uh, you never know it. He wow. still looks like he's in his 40s. But uh, in, in, on a serious note, no, it's it's never too late. And, you know, you've got to obviously account for any physical infirmities or, or you know, hindrances and, and, and build the Krav Maga around what you're capable of doing. And I guess that's a great way of putting it as well, is that um, the Krav Maga will, will conform or it will, it will uh, it's malleable to what, however one can move. Mm-hmm. You don't have to conform to it. In other words, you take what works for you and make it yes. your, your, your own Krav Maga. You don't have to do... Uh, if, if you're not, if you can't kick, um, you can't kick. You use your hands. If you can only stomp on somebody's foot, that's what you do. Um, so, so you make it your own system. You customize it for yourself, and that's why people love it so much. It's what I do. Absolutely. Oh, I love hearing that. That's the Bruce Lee philosophy, isn't it? Like, take what works and keep it, and the rest just. I, I think so. Yeah. And, and the, 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 I would have loved to, to see in a conversation between Emi uh, and, and Bruce Lee. But oh. I think that the JKD for those who are, are practitioners and, and followers is very, very similar mm-hmm. to Krav Maga, and it has to be because good self-defense, good body movements, and good thinking they can't be uh, uh, too dissimilar if it's if it's actually to work. Absolutely. Well, they have it folks thanks to everyone who's sent the questions in for david uh, i thank you to those listening but a special thank you to our guest to hear mr cam sure. before i let you go though sir let me just offer you the floor if you want to let our people know uh, where to follow you check out your work your books your dvds oh, that thank kind you of thing. so much it's yes, all yours yes. uh yeah the the um the uh masteringcroppmaga.com is the our, our website which is going to relaunch version 2.0 within the month that'll be about 500 lessons and it's on a monthly basis for those who are interested uh, our dvds are available through uh, amazon uh, and they'll deliver to the uk um, i get many many orders from the us that are sent by amazon and finally uh, for more information um the website uh, www.davidconkravmaga.com is, uh, is 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 well done. I got to thank my my very good friend and who set up the podcast, uh, uh, Justice Mitchell. Uh, he does justice to what we do. I can't thank him enough. Nice. And uh, John, thank you for this wonderful hospitality and wonderful questions. I really enjoyed our chat. Pleasure's all mine, sir. Um, anytime you want to come back on, please do let us know. Um, but, yeah, yeah, we would, we would. And, and uh, sometime I'm, I've got some invitations to, to Europe, and I I would love to, to revisit Scotland. So if anybody oh, would like to come to my seminar, you know, let's organize. I'd love to come visit. You. Funny thing about conventional wisdom, it's not always that wise. A watched pot never boils. Yes, it does. Just watch it. A bird in the hands worth two in the bush. Depends what sort of bird. At Orbis Investments, we've always questioned common thinking to avoid common results. We dig deeper to uncover more valuable insights. Pots do boil, and a bird in the hand can be worth three in the bush. Visit Orbis.com. Invest differently. As with all investing, your capital is at risk. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future results. Orbis Investments UK Limited is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.